Thanks for joining us for the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I am Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to make marriage into a passionate adventure and not just a to-do list. And that to-do list is what we're going to be talking about mostly today. On the blog this month, we are going over the different stages of sex. So each week on Wednesday, we're talking about a different stage. And last week, we covered the figuring things out stage. When things are new, whether you are a virgin or not, sex changes once you're married and things can get confusing and this week we are doing when life gets busy because kids come which is kind of ironic because right now as I am recording this I am waiting for a kid to come because my oldest daughter Rebecca who is often on this podcast with me is about to give birth so hopefully by the time this airs she will have had that child but we will give you updates anyway on the blogs a couple of other things that are happening that I want to mention before we get into things yesterday my monthly email with all of the best highlights from the blog and the podcast, which posts were biggest last month, etc. That went out to over 45,000 subscribers. And if you are not on that email list, you should be. So sign up. We've got a place where you can sign up on the podcast description. There's a link. And of course, in the podcast post for this podcast on the blog, there is a place where you can sign up for our email list too. And then you will not miss anything. As we were putting that together, We took a look and we found the biggest post last month was actually a podcast post, which is kind of unusual, but it was the podcast that Keith and I did together on gaslighting. So we brought Keith on the podcast for the first time. And now he's going to become a regular feature. He's going to be answering some questions on this podcast. And of course, we have our new Start Your Engines podcast just for men that's going to air the last Thursday of every month. But for that particular one, that biggest post, what we did was we took a blog post by Emerson Egrich, who wrote Love and Respect, and we read it out word for word. And then Keith and I analyzed it because I have never been as horrified by anything really in the Christian sphere as when I read that blog post. It was it was even worse than the book Love and Respect. Basically what happened was a woman was writing in saying, we did your material with our small group and after doing the material, all of the men became condescending and domineering towards their wives. And Emerson replied, there is no reason for a man to become condescending or domineering towards a godly wife, so you must simply not be godly. And then he quoted all four verses about nagging wives. And for his advice at the end, he recommended that she read the verses in First Peter, which says that women should keep silent. So we were really offended, um, and we d- we went through that in a rather long podcast in a lot of detail. And I will put a link in the podcast description to that podcast, uh, but it was podcast episode number 35, and if you haven't listened to it yet, you really need to. I just want to thank you guys for some of the comments that came in. Phil said... Sheila and Keith, I really think you guys did a great job at dissecting this stuff without attacking Emerson. Thank you for that, Phil. And we really are not trying to attack Emerson Egrich. We really are not. That's not the point. What we want to do is dismantle this type of thinking because it is hurting marriages. And the whole reason that I am here, the whole reason I do this blog, this podcast, whatever, is to try to shine better light onto Christian marriages because a lot of the information and advice we've been given is just simply wrong. That was that was the motivation for writing Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage. I was asking the question, what if Christian pat answers don't work and how can we get to what God really wants? 
And then Charlotte said, wow, Sheila and Keith, thank you so much. I definitely had to do some deep breathing listening to this one. What some people believe and spread as gospel is just beyond me. It's heartbreaking. Your willingness to tackle this head on and with such boldness and humility is very much appreciated. And your comment is appreciated, Charlotte. Ashley said, you and Keith did such a great job with this. Keith seems like such a terrific man, by the way. He really is. He really is, Ashley. Thank you. Um, but my favorite comment by far came from Jessica. I, I rolled on the floor laughing at this one. So she started off, it was a very long comment, but she started off saying, you know, when she first read my series on love and respect, it made her go back and reread the book. And she found that while it was an incomplete view of marriage, she really didn't find it nearly as bad as I thought it was based on my blog posts. And so she thought that I was a little bit off because really she actually got quite a bit out of the book. And then she says, but that blog post from Edrich, yeah, I retract everything I just said. <laughs> and and she, she went on from there, and it was actually pretty funny. So thank you, Jessica, for that. You know, this stuff really does matter, people. We need to get marriage right. Uh, we need to stop giving advice that doesn't work. We need to stop trying to create hierarchy and, and, and power in marriage and talk instead about how we can build real intimacy and partnership. Because that's what marriage is supposed to be. You're supposed to feel like you're one. And the time that that gets the most difficult when couples start to really flounder in this especially is at that stage of marriage when kids come. And that's what we're dealing with this week. That is our stage of sex for the week, is when life gets busy. And what we find is that in this stage, when children come, it's often the time of life when you often have job pressures, school pressures, a lot of financial pressures. You tend to be buying a house or buying cars and the budget is tight. All of these stresses come right at the same time. And if you haven't dealt with things well, during those first few months or years of, of marriage and the figuring things out stage, all that stuff magnifies now and becomes really difficult. So in this stage, uh, in, in the blog post, I encourage you all to please read the blog post that came out yesterday on the blog. It's lovehonoredvacuum.com. What I was saying is that a lot of the problems with sex and marriage in this stage really relate more to life stuff than they even do to sex like the fact that you're simply so exhausted that she especially, although sometimes it can be he, feels like she has no time to herself. And that is so important. You start, you can get into really bad habits with regards to, to sleep and with regards to what you eat. You know, it's easy to get takeout. It's easy to eat crap because you don't have a lot of time to cook. And the more that you can deal with these life things, with the money, with the food, with the teaching kids to sleep, the easier it is for sex to then be good. So a lot of the post yesterday was just pointing you to some good resources and some good advice for getting the rest of that in place. But then when it comes to sex, you've got to make this a priority in these years. I know you're super tired, but I think if we can start to see sex as something hey, you know what? This is going to invigorate me. This is going to make me feel more like a woman and not just a mom. This is going to energize me. This is something that I need because I deserve to feel amazing and I deserve to be relaxed. And if we can start seeing sex that way, as opposed to just an obligation, then sex is going to go so much better. And I want to give a big shout out to, to an amazing app that can help you in this stage of life, really in every stage, but I think it's especially helpful here, which is the Get your marriage on app. It's 
It's like a marriage counselor in your phone because what it does is it has all these really short, extremely informative videos on different aspects like resolving conflict, sex, how to put a marriage meeting together, all kinds of different things. And the videos focus on great resources and great research like that coming out of the Gottman Institute. I thoroughly support everything that they're saying. They're not any of these weird, creepy, Emerson Egrich type things. Like these guys are really solid. And then they give you some exercises that you can do. I love the marriage meeting that they put together. It, it shows you how to have one. It doesn't need to be a long thing, but it shows you how you can talk about the important things every week. And there's a great explanation of how to put that on. You can sync your apps together so that you can put notes in it that each other can read. And then, of course, there's lots of fun things like there's you can play Strip Battleship. Um, that sounds fun. There's tons of conversation starters, including 70 that I wrote. 50 are on the blog. 20 are new just for the app. And if you use the code TLHV, when you get the app, then you can unlock those things. So check out the Get Your Marriage On app, either on Android or iPhone, and that will help. And now I want to turn to some of the reader questions that we have, especially for this stage of sex. All right, I am bringing Keith on for this next question, which actually sounds like us in a way, this question. So here. Oh, okay, because I, I, I want it to be said, I don't know these questions ahead of time. <laughs> so. It's kind of like, hey, honey, how would you like to come start speaking at marriage conferences with me? Yeah, that's exa- well, that's exactly how it works. <laughs> hey, honey, how would you like to start answering people's questions on the internet? Okay, you want to read this one? So, and it's your fault, people, because <laughs> Sheila says you keep saying you like hearing both of us. So she's like, you got to do more of these. Like, okay, fine, that sounds good. Um, just a little plug, too. If, if you do actually like hearing us talk together, because people say we sound fairly na- natural. It's almost like we're, you know, we're actually together. Yeah, weird, eh? <laughs> but uh, people say that they, they like that. If you do, then you know, talk to your pastor, because we do come and um, do marriage workshops and stuff with people, so we'd love to come and talk to you at your church. Mm-hmm. Because I converted you, and now you like doing this. Yeah, well, this is, not, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is not what I originally wanted to do. But... <laughs> All right, read our question, babe. Okay, should I read it? Yeah, you read it. Okay, uh, I keep hearing the importance of going to bed at the same time as a couple, but my husband is a night owl, and I'm a morning lark. I like the bird analogy. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I could stay up as late as he does and still get up with our toddler in the morning. He only gets up 15 minutes after me, but I guess he just needs less sleep. Plus, he says that he needs his me time after the rest of us are in bed, gaming or watching shows. And that he'd just lie awake for hours if he did come to bed at the same time anyway, around 11 p.m. The most helpful advice I've heard is for the night owl to lie down with that morning lock until they fall asleep and then sneak away, but I can't really see him agreeing to that. He's already heard that stat that couples who go to bed at the same time have more sex, but that's not enough motivation, even though he wishes he had sex more often. I was hoping you might have a few other suggestions. Yeah, and then she goes on to say that it really, she really doesn't believe that he is up there watching porn. So, so we're going to yeah, take that at face value. We're not going to deal with that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do you think? Oh, I, I get to start. Okay. Well, it's kind of funny because as I was reading this question, the first thing I thought was, well, he should just go to bed with her. And that's exactly what she goes on in the next paragraph to say. Mm-hmm. We heard that's supposed to happen, but I can't see him agreeing to that. Well, the first thing I would say is, have you asked him? Mm-hmm. Because you're saying, I can't see him agreeing to that, but you haven't even brought up the question. So I think I would put that out there. Because mm-hmm. he might be more amenable to it than you think. This is also really similar to us. Because you've always needed a lot less sleep than me. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I was trained to need less sleep because I got so little sleep when I was working all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what we what we tend to do is we go to bed together, but then you get up a lot earlier than me. 
Oh, I get up in the morning very early, yeah. Yeah, because I think over the course of our marriage, you probably needed about like one and a half to two hours less sleep than me a night. Probably. Yeah. And so that's what we've always done. Um, so, but if, if he's not... And, and there are times where I'll need to do some work, you know, at night. I'll have a couple hours left of work and we'll go to bed together and then I'll get up and go do that work mm-hmm. and then come to bed later. That yeah. Happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I think ta- talking to him is really important, but I also think he could do the gaming in the morning, you know, and I think having a, a conversation about that saying, I totally understand you wanting to have time without me and, and the kid or kids, however many there are, as, but could you do that in the morning rather than at night? Yeah. Yeah, and this whole idea that people are are night people or morning people, I mean, there is some science to that, isn't there? Oh, yeah, now you're asking me to talk like a scientist. I haven't studied this. There's a lot of of really interesting stuff on, you know, different sleeping types, but, you know, I I find in my practice that the teenagers are always night hawks, like they're always up, but I don't know if that's because all the other teenagers are up. Yeah, I remember, I remember when we were reading about how to get toddlers to sleep, I read a whole bunch of books about it, and a lot of them were talking about teenagers, and I remember you and I having these discussions, like maybe 15, 16 years ago, about how sometimes the best way to get people to adjust their sleeping pattern is to do a 24-hour thing, where they're actually sleeping, like, like you move their, their, um, oh, yeah, we their have bedtime back further and further until it almost goes 24-hour. Yeah, clock. well, no, I think what you're talking about is the is sometimes you reset a clock by moving them forward. So, like, you know, I, I've had some drastic cases where I've had teenagers who can't fall asleep till 5 in the morning mm-hmm. and then are waking up at noon or 11 o'clock. Yeah. And sometimes it's actually easier to crank them forward. So mm-hmm. now you stay up till 9 a.m. and then you stay up till 1 p.m. Then you yeah. stay up till 5 p.m. And then yeah. you stay up till 9 p.m. And then mm-hmm. go to sleep. Right. So that's, yeah, that's sometimes you do that for, to reorganize people's sleep patterns. But the more common thing that you do is you get people to just get up, uh, like half an hour earlier than they normally do, which makes them, which makes them, um, more tired earlier in the night. Yes, that's true too. Yeah. So if he, if he tends to go to bed at like one and then gets up at seven 30, make him get up at seven. So that he goes to bed at 1230 and then the next, you know, do that so for a couple days. you're talking about the husband here? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't think you should say make him. I mean, I think right. this, is a, this is a situation where you want to talk about these things. I think the key issue here is to say, look, I, I recognize that you need some me time and I want to support that and I think that's great. But, you know, we do need our us time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so how do we put all these, you know, things together in a way that works for you, works for me and works for us as a couple? Mm-hmm. But I, I just, but I do think though that this idea that he can't sleep earlier is just you—you you actually can reset your body clock. That's what I'm trying to say. Like if you get up earlier, half an hour earlier, over the course of a couple of days, you can end up resetting your body clock, can't you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 it is difficult for some people. It can take some time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also a lot of things about how you go to sleep, right? Because, for instance, people say, "Oh, I can't fall asleep for a long time," but uh, you know, they're, they're on their, like doing gaming, the last thing you do before you go to bed is probably the worst thing you can do for sleep. Yeah. Because yeah. watching screens, it, it actually kind of revs you up and keeps you from falling asleep. So, you know, again, with, in my practice with adolescents, I, I keep talking about that. They say they can't fall asleep, they can't fall asleep, they can't fall asleep. And I say, well, you need to get off the video, you know, games or off the texting or off the things because that kind of blue light from those screens just revs your mind and you can't fall asleep. So sleep hygiene, like mm-hmm. having good sleep habits, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to fall asleep that and, way. And so it honestly would be better for him to game at like 5.30 in the morning than to game 
at. Yeah, I mean, they, we do recommend not having screen time like an hour or so yeah. before you go to bed. So I would just talk to him about that. You know, see if you can reset his his clock. Um, see if you can see if you can get him to come to bed with you earlier. But then talk to him about how I really do want to support you having having you time. Um, I absolutely do. But can we do it in the morning instead? And see if that helps. Are you part of the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum community? Sign up for my emails and you'll get weekly Friday updates with behind-the-scenes pictures and info, exclusive video content, stuff I'm wrestling with, and more. You'll also get access to our free resource library with over 25 marriage and parenting freebies, my free five-day sex pep talk, and more. Sign up on the homepage at tolovehonorandvacuum.com. All right, I got Keith on for one more question. Only one. Oh, good. Only one this time, yes. And I, I thought gonna... I was going to have to do three or four of these things. <laughs> oh, that's coming. <laughs> oh, my god. Another, another podcast. All right. And, we're, <laughs> of course, we're recording all these in one day, like for several weeks, because because baby mm-hmm. is coming, yeah. and Connor will put an announcement in this podcast whether baby has come or not. Baby better have come by the time this, this podcast airs. When's this one airing? I think it's only airing like a day after the due date, so I'm not even sure. But anyway. Hopefully. <laughs> Hello, Connor from To Love, Honor, and Vacuum here with a quick update on the baby situation. My sources inform me that its status is still pending. Thank you. Okay, but but for those those of you who've had a baby, you know those last few days where you're like, and if you go past the date, it's like, no, I did not sign up for this. I think, that, I think that, and I sympathize with women feeling that way. <laughs> yeah, well, Becky was five days late. Anyway, here we yeah. go. So the woman writes, "My husband is fine." And I guess that's the big issue. My husband is fine with the way things are. He's a fine husband. He does things well enough. I don't have a ton of room for complaints, but I'm still sad. We recently did the five love languages together. And although he's got an idea of what his love language is, he's really fine not figuring out how I can love him better. It's very obvious what mine is, but he's also fine not going out of his way to do that either. He's a good husband in a lot of ways. We share parenting responsibilities, household chores, financial issues without much conflict, but he's fine with that being as good as it gets. Our sexual relationship is good. He makes sure it feels good for me, but again, he's satisfied with how things are. I've asked him to take a bath or shower with me, play would-you-rather sexy games, go to bed naked, etc., but he says he doesn't want to. And I find myself in this weird place where I know I have a really good marriage compared to a lot of people, so I should be thankful, but I just don't want things to be only fine. I want to have a hot sex life and to be crazy about each other. Am I asking for too much? Wow, that's a big one. Yeah. That's heavy. So what do you think? Oh, you want me to start? Well, I, I mean, so, okay, so first of all, that she's saying out from the outset that she thinks he's a good man. Like yeah. He's treating her well. It sounds like he's very considerate. Um, you know, like, it's not like they're not having sex. It's not like they're not engaging with each other. Like, it sounds right. like overall things he's are great. He's a great dad. Yeah. All these things. Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, I think it's implying that she's actually had some conversations with him because she's asked about whether you'd be, he could do this or he could do that. And, he doesn't want to. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first thing is actually having those conversations about what you do or don't mm-hmm. want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think that from her perspective, I think she says she's sad. Right. I think that that's kind of something she should probably look into a little bit as well, too. Like, is she just sad for other reasons? Like, does she, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing here to suggest that she's depressed or has other issues. No, but I think there is a point where a lot of women get very dissatisfied with life when they have small children mm-hmm. and it sounds like they do have small kids and that's when women start to feel like 
I've become just a mom and I need something to get me out of that. Mm -hmm. And he may not be seeing this as a big thing. So it may not actually be a problem. I'm not saying that this is true. I just want to throw this out there, but it may not be a problem with their relationship as much as it is something that's going on inside of her where she is dissatisfied and she's looking for him to make her feel alive. Yeah. And we have this whole mythical like Hollywood thing, right? About how like a good life isn't good enough, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. 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 And it's really, it's, you know, like at some, at some point, you know, like it's, it's, we have this sort of fairy tale view of how life's going to be, and, mm-hmm. and it's not always like the movies. Well, no. it's, it's it's very rarely like the movies. Yeah. The other thing that, that that jumps out at me with this letter is they could just have very very different personality types. Yeah. You know, because probably what attracted her to him in the first place was that he was so steady. Yeah. Right. That like he was reliable. He was trustworthy. He was just she could she could lean on him, but that can get really boring if you're a very. Um, vivacious, energetic person. And Mm so, you know, they could just be very, very different personalities. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I think you kind of got to realize, you know, you married him for a reason. You married him because he was stable and and you need to remember the things that made you fall in love with him. Mm -hmm. Because you can't make someone into your personality. You can't. No, you can't. You can't make someone, um, yeah, into your personality. I think that there's again. It's all, I find these questions always so hard because you don't know what you, what situation you're really speaking into, and you don't know all the background. And so, you know, there's so many traps you could fall into. So, you know, I think that the, the issue of so I think I think that you have to balance two things here. So, first of all, the idea that you know I'm fine with the way things are. Well, I guess I would kind of challenge that a little bit though, and say, you know, can we not be better? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that you and I have never the mentality of. We want to get to a spot in our marriage where that is where we are and now we've reached it and we're good. Mm-hmm. Like I think you can always be a better spouse. You can always be a better parent. You can always be a better lover. You can always be like – you can always learn and be better. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think that it's okay f- to challenge this fellow a little bit and say, you know, like, yeah, things are great. But like does that – is there a cap on how good our marriage can be? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think making, trying to get to the next level or mm-hmm. crank it up a notch – is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. So I think that's the case. However, you know, there also is something to really be said with, with being steady and faithful and consistent and, mm-hmm. you know, like not looking for the Hollywood romance mm-hmm. that we're like just ripping mm-hmm. each other's clothes off all the time because that's what, yeah, because that's not reality. No. Right. So, and I think you just have to balance those two things. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, saying, saying very direct things to him, like what, what you would consider passionate is helpful too, because I think just going to someone and saying, our life is boring. You know, I need it to be more. Well, that, that can be very, that can be a very difficult message to hear. Exactly. Well, it also, it's now, what you're saying is you're saying, um, you're doing everything right, but it's not good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of very, that's a very, you're going to get defense defensive. Right. If I were a husband, I heard that I'd Mm -hmm. be, I get rather defensive. So saying something, I always think it's important in every area of your marriage to, when you're presenting things, to present it as your needs mm-hmm. rather than what you're not doing. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, you know, like, uh, you're not getting, you're not having sex with me enough, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Like say like, you know, I, I would really like to have more sex in our marriage, but that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's about me and my needs mm-hmm. rather than what you're not doing correctly. And right. I think that's, that's if any conversations with this fellow, I think that, I would have in that way with him. Mm-hmm. I would really like to have a more passionate marriage. What I would like to do is things like 
da 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 mm-hmm. and then go from there. And you know, one thing that I often suggest to couples is the his night, her night thing. Mm-hmm. Like, get a calendar, right? Take the Saturdays and say two of them are her nights, two of them are his nights, <laughs> and the rest of the month is, is just a free-for-all. And then if she wants the let's go to bed naked or let's play a sex game or something, then you can do that on her nights. But then you're not you're not putting undue pressure on him for the rest of the month. And, and that can really help, too. So you can take a look at my sexy dares. Uh, if he needs some ideas, I will put links in the podcast description for that. Um, but that might help. But I, I, just, I, I do want to say, though, and I want to reiterate this, that sometimes you just have very different personalities. Like one of the biggest um, conflicts that you and I have is that when I get mad at something, I want to charge in and I want to burn everything down and, <laughs> and, 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 and fix everything. And you're like well, here's all the things that could go wrong with that. And, and I'm like, you're not supporting me. Can we maybe take like one deep breath? Yeah, because, you know, you're the steady one and I'm the, and of course my daughters are more like me too. So you're, you're the steady one. Our daughters are more like me. You're the steady one and I'm the, let's go. And so I kind of get what she says, not entirely, but like, um, when it is a personality thing, you can feel like this steady guy needs to be more like me. But maybe it's that we need to find ways to be content because you can't change someone's personality. You need to remember the reason that I fell in love with you is because you're so steady and because I can trust you and because you're so faithful. And those are all good things. So I think telling yourself positive things about your spouse is way better than telling yourself about all the things that you don't have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, by all means, try to make your marriage better. But I get very uncomfortable when people are in a good place, but they feel like it could be so much better. It's not perfect. And then they're chronically dissatisfied because that can lead to a lot of problems in the long run. So, you know, talk to him about it, but keep telling yourself the things that you really love about your husband. Cause he does sound like a great guy. <laughs> and so fill your mind with that. Say those things out loud, you know, praise him every day for what he does do. Think about those things. And I think that that is going to help her attitude a lot too. Can you think your way to a great marriage? Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage shows how we often think wrongly about submission, sex, conflict, even anger, and how changing how you think can actually change how you feel and act, too. Don't settle for an okay marriage. Get a great marriage with Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage. Our next reader question tackles a big issue that comes up when we talk about the busyness of life. It's with new kids coming along plus time wasters. Okay, time wasters are a huge problem. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, they're super fun, let's be honest. Yep. And we all have our own little kryptonite there when it comes to time wasters. But let's talk specifically about how to handle when you are worried your husband is going to become a video game addict. Okay. So here's the question that we got. My husband and I have been married for almost 10 years and have two kids under 4 and I'm expecting our third. So, already pretty busy house. Very busy. My husband and I are doing well right now after a few years of bumpy roads, but an issue we've dealt with throughout our marriage is the fact that he doesn't really cope with stress well. Mainly, he uses phone app games to de-stress and unwind. We've talked about his lack of other coping strategies and things get stressful, and stressful is pretty much how our lives are going to be for a while. We also just switched to living off of his income alone. Now, he's decided that he wants to buy an Xbox for his birthday next year, but his birthday is right after my due date with the next kid. This is sending up a million red flags for me, since mm-hmm. he'll be buying a gaming system when I desperately need his help more than ever, and don't want to have to drag him up from the basement to beg for it. 
He already has a tendency to spend too much time on his phone and talks all the time about wanting to go to bed earlier, but he just stays up too late on technology instead. I don't want to assume the worst, but I really can't see how any benefits outweigh the potential for disaster here, especially for someone with a tendency towards addictive behaviors already. To put it bluntly, I'm terrified of what this could do to all of the progress that we have made. Am I borrowing trouble or am I right to be concerned? Wow. Okay. Well, she's totally right that some people do have addictive personalities. Some people are yeah. way more prone to addictions than others. Well, and, and, it honest, and honestly, I don't know if this guy actually has tendency towards addictive behaviors or if he just doesn't have a lot of self-control when it comes to video games, right? Because there yeah. is a big difference. Yeah. Time wasters are meant to suck you in and that's what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Not everyone has actual addictive behaviors who just doesn't know when to put down the phone. Right. But either way, there's definitely not a healthy relationship with the time wasters here. Right. Okay, so you're in you're in a similar position to this woman right now in that you're about to deliver a baby as we are recording yes. this. Probably by the time this airs, I really hope the baby will be here, but <laughs> Yes, and Connor will edit in whether or not the baby is here. Or not. <laughs> That's still a negative on the baby. Repeat, that's still a negative on the baby, over and out. Yes, but, but we are, you know, you're in a similar position. And, and as you guys are thinking about the future, you really see Connor as being very involved with this baby because you're going to need him. Well, and Connor sees himself as very involved with the baby. Mm-hmm. So, He's quite excited about it. So getting, getting an Xbox a week after the baby's here is likely not a great idea. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't see any reason to invite or to start something that by its own nature takes your time away from family just as your family changes i just literally don't see any reason why that would ever be an option Mm -hmm. like if they already had the xbox don't necessarily throw out the xbox when the baby comes because you're already in a routine where there are times when you xbox and times when you don't but introducing something like that when a baby is coming makes absolutely zero sense to me i agree i completely agree so yeah. I would just say telling him upright, outright, that's a bad idea. I'm very, very uncomfortable with that idea. And I would ask you to honor me and not do it. Yeah. And I think that if he makes a big fuss about it, I even think that she could say, okay, well then if you can prove to me that you cannot play on your phone for X amount of months, then maybe we'll talk about it. Because honestly, the Xbox is not going to be the problem. There's nothing wrong with spending an hour every now and then playing games or Something like that. But the problem here is that she's worried that it's not just going to be an hour. It's right. going to be that he comes from, from work, goes down to the basement, is there for the next five hours, and she has to beg him to help with the kids. Right. So and if he can prove that he has self-control, that also might be a totally different conversation. So I would give him a chance to prove that he has self-control. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, think, I think talking to him and saying, you know, hon, you have told me that you want to go to bed early. You've told me that you want to develop better coping skills for stress. You've told me that you don't want to be on your phone all the time. And yet what I'm seeing is that you're still on your phone all the time. And so can we talk about what I can do to help you reach your own goals? Because this is a goal that he has. I mean, I do it too. Like I, I, I want to go jogging and I want to read an actual nonfiction book. And instead I spend my day on Netflix and, you know, <laughs> like way too often. Like we all do these things, right? And yeah, so, we totally do. And so how can we help each other not do these things? Um, yeah. And so, and so phrasing it like that, like how can I help you not do this? And I mean, for phones, a great idea is just have the charging station in the kitchen like just not in the bedroom or put the phones on a charging station at 10 at night and every night they go there and they get charged and you don't have them in your bed. Yeah. And I think also the main issue here from what I see is that she feels like she's going to be abandoned Mm -hmm. for an Xbox. And she has, and she has 
proof or not proof, but there's evidence. The fear is coming from past experience. Yeah, she has a pattern of that happening in their marriage. Yes. And so I think that's really valid to say to him. Like, I don't even know if it would necessarily need to be something where the wife is like, let's let's do this together. Because is she going to be able to help him when she has a newborn and she's got two other kids? Like, at some point, this has got to be his thing, don't you think? Well, I agree. But I think I think I think talking about it that way, like, let, let we are on the same page here. You've already yes, okay, said I see what you mean. Yeah. Like you've already said that this is what you want for your life. So we are in agreement here. But what I'm not seeing is you actually acting on it. And that's what's bothering me. And so I think, you know, I think saying I'm very uncomfortable with you getting an Xbox. I don't want you to get one. And then if he says, well, I'm going to get one anyway. And then you say, well, then let's let's see how you can act with your phone over the next few months. And then if he's not comfortable with that, saying, well, before you get the Xbox, can we agree on what to do if it gets out of hand? Or not even what to do if it gets out of hand, but what we think is reasonable. Mm hmm. Because the goal is to not get it out of hand, right? So if you decide, okay, I am only comfortable with you getting the Xbox if I know it will not take more than one hour of your time a day. Right. and That, you that is will, very reasonable. And that you will do the bath time routine with the older two kids or that you will help with housework, help with the chores that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like get, get your family responsibilities taken care of first before, before the Xbox. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've even seen couples drop contracts with this. I think that's perfectly mm-hmm. valid. Like agree beforehand. Okay, honey, how much do you want to spend on the Xbox? Um, and how much would you, do you think is proper for you to be involved with the children? And what kind of father do you want to be to your children? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And And then I think the important thing is to get someone who's not in the relationship involved. Like have a mm -hmm. friend or a family member be the person who you can text, be like, okay, and he's been on the Xbox for four hours today, which means he doesn't get it until the weekend. Right. Like that's in the contract, right? And Mm -hmm. that friend literally comes over and takes the Xbox away. Yeah. And we all need friends like that in our lives. (laughs) We do. We do. (laughs) You know? Um, I'm not, I'm not talking about some weird church discipline thing here. I'm talking about a friend that you ask. Who you both trust. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a conversation that you can have with your husband. And if your husband is not willing to have that conversation, I do think that's a red flag because people should be putting their family responsibilities first before their own play. And if he, if he is not willing to talk about that, That is an issue. Again, I would raise the conversation as you've already told me this is something that you want. So how can we make sure that that is lived out is very different from um, I'm mad at you. I don't trust you. If you do this, I'll I'll hate you forever or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And saying that you don't want him to get an Xbox when your baby is first born does not also mean that you have to say you can never get one. Like Mm -hmm. you have a conversation about, I am really uncomfortable with the idea of having a three week old kid at the point that you have an Xbox. Mm -hmm. But can we revisit it when the kid is six months old or something like that? You could talk something, you could also have the conversation like that. And the reason I'm probably sounding relatively harsh on this is because this is something that Connor and I have dealt with in our marriage Mm -hmm. and that he's spoken about quite openly. Is that like, you know, we grew up, well, Connor especially grew up with video games and stuff. And this thing that we've had to talk to talk about a lot and that, you know, we've we've come to a, a really good place with, mm-hmm. you know, but you just don't get a good relationship with video games or time wasters by accident if it hasn't been healthy in the past. Yeah, I know Connor did. And a, that's the point. Yeah. And Connor did a great uh, segment on our whole story of puberty course, um, talking to the guys about video games, too. He recorded. that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I know that you guys have, Connor has a friend who comes over, what is it, like once a week and plays video games with him? Oh, it's fantastic. We're so not an anti-video game house. We're so not. Yeah. It's just, I do find it really concerning because so many guys do get swept into the whole Xbox or PlayStation or just computer games and it takes away from their marriage. It takes away from their emotional maturity because it is their only coping strategy mm-hmm. and it makes them really difficult to live with. And we see it again and again and again. And I think that it is completely reasonable for a wife to say, I'm not comfortable with this. I am worried about this because your pattern of past behavior has shown me that I should be. Yeah. And I'm not willing to put myself through that right as I'm bringing a new child into the world. Yeah. And so have that conversation, you know, say we're on the same page here. You want this. I want this. How can we make sure that this happens? And so Set it out in a contract if you have to. Uh, But it's okay to take that seriously because people should be putting their family responsibilities before their play. And if he's not doing that, that's a problem. Thanks for joining us for the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila reminding you to make your marriage a priority because life is so much better when you do feel like you truly love each other, accept each other, and you're truly connected. I want to give another big plug, too, for the Get Your Marriage On app. It's fun. The videos are super short and to the point. You will get so much great stuff that you can talk about together, and that's really what it comes down to, talking about the important stuff. So download the Get Your Marriage On app from Android or iPhone. It's for the same people who did the Ultimate Intimacy app, the sex app that I would have made if I ever wanted to make a sex app, but then they did it, so I didn't have to. So it is awesome. But for Get Your Marriage On, use the code TLHV to unlock all of those conversation starters. Join me next week when we will take a bit of a departure from our stages of sex series on the podcast. Uh, Next week on the blog, we are covering the glory years when sex tends to be best, years 16 to 24. Uh, So instead of dealing with that on the podcast, I am going to bring Keith back to answer all your questions about erections. Yes, we are going there. I have so many questions. You will not believe it. Uh, And I thought I would throw them all at him. So come on back and listen. And in the meantime, do check out our Stages of Sex series on the blog at tolovehonorandvacuum.com. Thank you for all your comments, your reviews, and your five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And thank you for joining me as we help to reframe the Christian marriage conversation.